Hello everyone, my name is Alexandra Perry and this is Investing After Hours, the Wealth Daily Podcast. Um, with me again is Jason. Hello Jason. Um, for those that don't remember or haven't seen our inaugural podcast, Jason is our technology analyst. Thank you for coming and talking to us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Ali. So today we decided to talk about probably the hottest, outside of self-driving cars, I'm sure they get talked about a little bit more, but the hottest technology investment of the 21st century, which is artificial intelligence. And um, I think the best place to start with this is to really define what artificial intelligence is, because I think there's some mixed feelings on that. So what do you think, Jason? Like, what is the clinical definition of artificial intelligence? Yeah, so I, I, I guess the first thing I would say is that maybe uh, driverless cars probably does fit into artificial intelligence uh, in a way. But I, I guess when we when we talk about uh, AI, uh, there's a couple of different ways to define it. Generally, when people speak about AI, there's weak AI and there's strong AI. So weak AI, which is also sometimes known as uh, narrow artificial intelligence, is basically an artificial intelligence program just a computer program that specializes in one specific area. So uh, a driverless car can't set your schedule and Siri can't drive your car, but uh, so they each have a very specific function. Um, as for examples, so you, you have, uh, I guess you would have advanced driver assistance systems, which is gonna be all your driverless car features. So you have anti-lock brakes, collision warnings, and uh, and then you have more advanced features like Tesla and Google's driverless cars. Yeah. So I, I think that there are a lot of applications that have kind of been creeping up on us that we don't necessarily consider AI that uh, that are actually AI and we use them every day. And it's like weak AI, but that kind of fits like the older definition of, like we're talking about back when Watson came out in Jeopardy and challenged everyone, that was technically weak AI. And now we have that weak AI in our everyday life, we just don't think about it anymore. Yeah, correct. So weak AI is definitely where we are now. Uh, the next step is strong AI, and we could talk about that in a minute. But uh, I just kind of want to give maybe a couple more examples of what weak AI might entail. Again, these yeah. are narrow, narrow-focused uh, programs. So you can have a... a if you're signed on Netflix and it gives you a, a recommendation for what you want to watch, I have a, this actually happened to me yesterday. I was driving, I have a Google Music, and it hit me up while I was driving and it said, you're next to a park. And it offered me a playlist based on my location, based on you know where I was, that the I wanted playlist. the park playlist. Yeah. The park playlist. So, so these, are, <laughs> these are forms of weak AI. Uh, you have email spam filters, you have Google Translate, which can actually take a photo of something in a different language and translate it back to English or whatever other language you want. Um, you have uh, Deep Blue is one of the earliest examples of, of AI, and some people remember when it beat uh, the Russian uh, chess master, uh, but that it, you know, it can only play chess. Uh, the but same- it learns it all 100% on its own, because I know like, for people that aren't familiar with that story you have a technology that literally starts playing a video game um, and it's terrible at it like say you put it and it play it's playing Galaga and it gets destroyed right away but they just let it run and it plays the game all night long and by morning you have the invincible player yeah but, so but it had to teach itself from very base level yeah so what you're describing here is is machine learning which is kind of going to be the bridge from what we're talking about now weak AI to strong AI so Machine learning are, as you said, artificial intelligence programs that are 
that are not pre-programmed to do a specific thing. Uh, they're pre-programmed to essentially uh, learn from their mistakes and then improve upon those mistakes. So these programs are, they enable, so uh, a good example is Google's AlphaGo, which is, uh, it's fueled by their DeepMind, uh, their DeepMind subsidiary, which was a, a British artificial intelligence company that was yeah. purchased in, I think, 2014 for about $500 million. And uh, basically what, DeepMind does is it mimics human learning and it mimics a neural network. And for the longest time, uh, AI programs were able to succeed in chess, but they were not able to play in this uh, game called Go. And Go is kind of like Othello if you've ever uh, played that. Uh, but it's there's so many more variations of Go that you couldn't just program a specific set of instructions. It had to really learn on its own. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly when this was. It might have been in 2015 or 2016 where it, uh, when AlphaGo was finally able to beat the, uh, the Go champion. And uh, so, yeah, the, these programs are just... That's, that's what strong AI is eventually going to look like. It's, it's things that can actually learn and, and kind of mimic human, human learning. So just based on what you said, weak AI already exists. We have it in a lot of everyday technologies that we don't necessarily... Like, none of these things have come onto the market and people have, like, flocked to get behind it. Like, we're not talking about self-driving cars or virtual reality where people are trying to fund the foundational technologies because the money's not there. Like, you just, it, these companies already have this and we use it. You mean it? You mean strong AI? There's no, you're saying there's no commercial application? No, for weak AI, well, weak AI has commercial application, but there's no money in it. So now we're waiting for strong AI if you want to invest. Like, you're investing in kind of the technology that's funding that movement. Yeah, well, I, I would say that there there is some money in weak AI now. Uh, so, I mean, you have uh, there are companies that produce these advanced driver assistance systems. Uh, there's definitely money in that. There's money in email spam filters. There's uh, there's money in like the net. We talked about the Netflix suggestions, the Amazon suggestions. All these things are, are giving customers better experiences and, and kind of directing them uh, where they need to go. So I do think that there's there's definitely money in, in weak AI, but the the rush of funds that will hit uh, will be reserved for strong AI, which uh, I, I've, we've been talking about weak AI a lot. We haven't really defined strong AI yet, but uh, strong AI is, is kind of what most people think of as artificial intelligence. Yeah. It, it, you know, when we, when we think of science fiction, we think of a... a computer or a robot that is as smart as a human and is able to think like a human is able to uh you know adjust uh you know kind of it, it might be able to perceive like social cues and things of things of that nature that's strong ai and when you're able to if you're able to create a digital assistant that is you're able to communicate with like a human yeah. being that's going to be where there's a huge amount of uh, opportunity uh both for you know for these technology companies and for investors. So we're talking about machines that, I know we actually had this conversation a few days ago because we were talking about morals and emotions and how the bar for artificial intelligence keeps getting raised. Like when Watson came out, it was considered artificial intelligence because it was the closest thing we'd ever seen to artificial intelligence. But now, you know, we have phones that talk to us, so the bar is, the bar is up. But for yeah. strong AI to, for people to finally like say, okay, strong AI is here, is it going to have to be a machine that can look at us and both like analyze emotions and and requests and then figure out a course of action? Yeah, so technology has a way of kind of sneaking up on us. 
where we're not totally no one you don't see a driverless car well let's actually scratch driverless cars let's just think about a car that brakes automatically uh it ha- or it has co- some kind of collision avoidance we know that this is normal uh i mean it's not normal most cars don't have it but it's 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 out there there are cars on the road that have this feature and we're not totally amazed by it no one really stops in the middle of their day and thinks oh a car can stop by itself that's incredible how crazy is that but if you were to go back 20 years or 30 years and you were to tell somebody uh cars are going to be able to stop on on their own uh cars are going to be able to have collision detection and and tell you uh you know that you have to slow down someone would have if you told someone that 30 years ago they would have been amazed they or they they probably wouldn't have even believed you that it was possible and they would have said that cars are not that smart but because things happen so gradually and and these uh all these technologies come in increments we we don't really notice when i i don't know if we're ever going to say there's ever going to be a single period in time where we say oh uh we've reached strong ai i think it's the line is going to be blurred uh but i think that it will be you know maybe a five ten year period where where people start to think okay um these you know these computers are almost uh you know talking to this computer is very close to talking to a human being which would be uh, i guess passing the the turing test which uh, the, the Turing test is essentially if if you were to put a uh, put a blindfold on on you, uh, and basically you were talking to a machine. If you couldn't tell that it was uh, a, machine. a machine, you couldn't tell whether or not it was a machine or a person. Then you would be passing the Turing test. So that's really the uh, that's the holy grail of of artificial intelligence is to to pass a real Turing test. So that's just interesting to think about because I think when I think about AI and I think about what it would take to reach in my in my personal mind, like what I consider AI is more like the iRobot Space Odyssey AI. We're thinking about like Prometheus and the um, all the space movies that have you know ships piloted by their artificial intelligence computer. So I'm expecting something to literally look, act, and be like me. But that could happen sooner than you think if we're accelerating at the rate that we are because like even in the past two years we've come so far and we haven't even noticed the change like alexa kind of came to us alexa and siri we didn't really think about it It wasn't that revolutionary yeah it's a phone so i think right now the market is really underappreciating the mm-hmm. uh the artificial not necessarily artificial intelligence but the uh personal what are known as pdas or personal digital assistants so they're this is something that Basically, every single major technology company that you can think of is going after. So Amazon has Alexa, Apple has Siri, Microsoft has Cortana, Google has its the Google Assistant, uh, Samsung is going to release uh, Bixby with its S8, and IBM has Watson, and also Facebook actually announced, I, I think today, that they were going to uh, release uh, M, which is their, their own digital assistant. So the whole purpose of these digital assistants is to to mimic, you know, your own. It's to mimic a person that is existing in this virtual world and wants to help you with with everything, whether that means scheduling your appointments, uh, you know, telling you where you telling you where you parked, um, recommending music, uh, you know, really just like you. It's like having a a best friend that is also kind of like your 
uh, your butler or your, you know, obviously they can't do things in the physical world, but uh, well, in some cases they could if you're hooked up to a, to a smart home or something like that. But uh, I think that there's a huge amount of focus from these companies. And generally when these major technology companies are trying to push something, it's it means just around the corner. Like it's it's coming and we're continuing to see these small incremental improvements. But before we know it, you're going to be talking to your phone or your computer like you would be talking to a, a friend. So do you think like, I've heard projections anywhere between 10 to 20 years for artificial intelligence, like that strong functioning AI, um, it, based on what we just talked about, we might not even know it when it comes. Like we might even have a higher definition of like artificial intelligence. We might need them to do things outside of our human capacity, which is totally possible. Like there are machines that could predict the future in ways that we can't. Yeah, so that would be, uh, so we talked about weak, we talked about weak AI and strong AI. And then there's kind of the super, super artificial super intelligence, which is a computer that just exceeds, uh, these are your, exceeds human intelligence. These are your, um, you know, your HAL, HAL 2000s, or is HAL mm-hmm. 5000? I'm not sure. I haven't seen this them. This is the spa- wait, space, o- space Odyssey. Space Odyssey, yeah. See, I brought it up. I can't even remember all their names anymore, but yeah. there's always one. Yeah, you're, you're the, <laughs> you know, your Sunny from iRobot, uh, your Sky, Skynet, these things are, uh, yeah. I think it's um, interesting, too, to think about public acceptance, because I know that when we talk about investing in new technologies, often the market is swayed by what people think a lot more than it does in other sectors. Like, there's not really a lot of threat when you say, oh, I'm going to invest in dividends and I'm going to invest in Starbucks. Like, nobody's scared of Starbucks. So I wonder if people are, like, looking at investing in artificial intelligence and recognizing, you know, this is something that's going to be incredibly lucrative because it's going to provide a service to a lot of people, but at the same time, they're probably a little bit nervous about what they're putting their money into. But it's, it's kind of like the wagon's going. There's no stopping it now. Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of people just don't know what where to look to invest in artificial intelligence because you really don't have many, to be honest, there are not many options. Uh, so you have, again, we have all these companies that I mentioned earlier, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Samsung, Facebook, IBM. These are huge companies that have the resources to build this kind of stuff. Uh, if you want to build a good, a good AI program, uh, it's going to be very difficult for someone to just do that in their basement because You need access to a ton of information. So it's probably going to be one of these companies that does it. And that should give people that are nervous about investing in AI a little bit of faith, too, because these are people that are probably abiding by the rules. Yeah, so it's safe. I mean, if you're investing in any of these, these are mostly safe, well-established companies. Uh, The problem is that you're not getting a lot of pure exposure to the artificial intelligence market. Uh, You know, we've talked about this before with with other technologies, but such as like virtual reality and, and augmented reality, but you know, uh, Facebook is a so, is a social media company. Uh, Apple is a consumer electronics company. Amazon is an e-commerce company. Uh, Google is all about search, so they're basically an advertising company. Uh, so, if you are trying to invest in artificial intelligence and you're buying these companies, you're none of them are what you would call a pure play, which means that it's it's purely focused on, on that specific thing. So th- there is kind of a way around it uh, that I've that I figured out because, uh, so generally people think of AI as a software thing. 
Uh, and that's another reason why it's a lot of people don't know where to invest because it's difficult to invest in software. Mm -hmm. uh, you just have to invest in the companies that are building it. And in this case, it's the larger companies. But any kind of software is ultimately based and you need hardware to, to support it. So in the case of these digital assistants, the whole point is so that they can become conversational so that you, you don't really need to actually use a touchscreen on your phone. You can just talk to them and they'll respond and uh, eventually they'll get more and more conversational instead of just uh, you saying, hey, I have an appointment coming up. Can you mark it down? They might ask, ask you a follow-up question and say, well, okay, well, what, what is the appointment? Tell me about it. Uh, how early do you want me to remind you? Um, and th things of that nature. Uh, so because these programs need to be conversational, you're going to need uh, microphones. Uh, that's the main hardware. That's like the big, that's what I, I see as the main hardware benef uh, beneficiary from artificial intelligence. And not many people are making this connection yet, but uh, just to give you an example of two main artificial intelligence uh, companies, what would you say are like the two main, two, who are two like personal digital assistant companies that are just killing it right now. To be totally honest with you, I didn't even know that um, Samsung was coming out with one. So I would say Alexa and Siri are always the two that I go okay. to. Okay. Uh, I would, Alexa definitely is the one. Uh, I would say Google Home, Google is, Home. is a big one. Yeah. Uh, the rival market to my Alexa, so. Yeah, so so Amazon is actually putting these uh, putting Alexa in its Echo speakers, mm -hmm. and Google has a very similar product, which is it's essentially a, a small speaker that will sit inside your home, and uh, you can tell you know if you're if you realize you're out of toilet paper, you can say hey Alexa or hey Google Home, order me some toilet paper, and it'll uh, it'll do that for you. But what's, what's really compelling uh, from an investment standpoint about these, uh, these devices is that inside of them they have what's called a microphone array. And uh, to understand how a microphone, why we need microphone arrays, you kind of have to understand uh, how human hearing works. So do you know why we have two ears? No, well two, I'd imagine to capture sound from both sides. Yeah. So not caught by surprise. Yeah. So because sound travels at a constant speed, uh, if I'm talking from your left and your eyes are closed, you'll you will know that I'm talking from your left because the sound is going to hit your left. Uh, if I'm if I'm on your left, it's going to hit your left ear first and then your right ear second, and your brain can actually tell the the small difference between the time that it hits your ears. So uh, microphone arrays basically take the same exact concept, except they have uh, the Amazon Alexa has seven microphones in it, and depending on where you are in a room, your voice is going to hit each microphone at a different, at a different point in time. This allows these devices to essentially, uh, if you were in a crowded bar, uh, for instance, it would be able to tell who is saying what and in what position in the room. And by doing so, it's able to uh, understand conversation much better. And uh, you know, a lot of people are familiar. If they have their Siri, you might say something into it, and it says, "Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that." Or, uh, "Can you can you repeat that?" Uh, once we can break that barrier, where people don't feel awkward talking to the computer because frustrated. Exactly. Yeah, because you a lot of people won't even use these these features because they know that if they try to say something to Siri, then she's just gonna you're gonna have to repeat yourself, and uh, that's just it's frustrating, yeah. I think that's that's the perfect uh, word for it. So companies that are making the microphones and selling the microphones, 
they're they're actually they're tiny embedded microphones called uh, uh, MEMS or uh, micro electromechanical machines, and my my thesis or my bull case on microphone companies is it is that because we want to turn interface into a conversational thing, those are going to expand. They're going to be everywhere. Uh, not just there. There will also be more of them in your phone. There will be more of them uh, in your home. And uh, eventually, you're gonna have to have the smart phone, the smart home, to kind of blend with the Internet of Things. Like that's kind of the next step for AI. So these microphones are kind of the bridge. Yeah. And, and you could imagine their, their advertisers really want this too because you can imagine, let's say you're in a mall and uh, you're, you're in the Nike store. Uh, they're eventually, and this might sound a little weird, it might sound a little scary, but they'll eventually have microphones that are you know, put throughout the store that are listening to what you're saying or, or anything. So let's say you're in there and you're, you're shopping with your boyfriend and you, uh, you say like, hey, I really like this pair of sneakers or something. Uh, it might be able to recognize what you're saying. If I like a certain it, model, it'll recognize. It'll be like, that's the model she it, likes. It, it'll see where you're located. It, it could tell where you're located, and it'll actually uh, it'll respond accordingly. And it might, uh, let's say you don't buy anything in the store, it might follow up with, uh, with an email a little bit later when you get home and say, hey, like, you were interested in these shoes. Uh, so that, but that also obviously gets into, you know. The Internet of Things. Yes, and, and I think private people end up having privacy concerns and things like that, but uh, I do believe that that's the direction we're moving uh, either way, whether or not people are you know concerned by it or not. I think it's very much like artificial intelligence has to happen on a base level for us to begin to innovate the technologies that make up all the science fiction novels. Like I think a lot about, I think it's Fahrenheit 451 where they have the clamshells, the advertising clamshell that tracks where they've been and then it will notify them and give them an advertisement, but it takes an artificially intelligent environment. Yep. And I sometimes wonder, like, you know, we're very swept up in the grandeur of, like, I, I would love to have a talking robot. I would like a robot that did my laundry. I would like a robot that, you know, actually has the ability to function as a person, but artificial intelligence might be more marketable the way you just described it. Like, these microphones are going to develop, and, you know, then the companies that are going to want to use it are going to want to monetize it. So. That's that's one of the questions. I like. I think it's coming. I have no doubt it's coming. I wonder, like, if where strong eye will if strong eye will actually come in the form that we think it will, based on science fiction, or if it'll come in the marketing sense, like the kind of being a part of the Internet of Things and connecting us all. Yeah, I, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be pretty close because uh, technology really does seem to follow science fiction, uh, and I don't know if that's. <laughs> That's necessarily because people come up with the ideas and then we create we create it because those ideas are available or if those ideas are just emerging naturally and science fiction tends to precede uh, our ability to actually uh, do these things. You know, so you might say, well, it would be a really good, you know, some science fiction writer in the 1950s may have said it would have been a real, this would be a great idea if you could create a, a computer assistant that can, you know, schedule your meetings throughout the day and, and talk to you and, and be your friend, uh, but we just can't do it yet. And uh, eventually, you know, people keep, re you know, those science fiction stories kind of permeate throughout society, and they create a culture of, uh, of, of individuals who are interested in this and who actually want to pursue it. So I, I do think that there is going to be a very close... Uh, 
a close relationship between a lot of the depictions of science fiction. I don't think it's going to be as uh, as dreary or like uh, a catastrophic as dystopian. As, yeah, because I mean those things those those are always the kinds of things that get people's attention, and it's it's good for entertainment. But uh, I prefer to think of it as the Jetsons. Like I think that's I bring up that example a lot. But when I talk to my parents about what is artificial intelligence, they think it's Rosie from the Jetsons. And in a way, Alexa, I think, reminds me of Rosie from the Jetsons. And so does Suri with like that cheery, you know, I'm here to help you attitude. Yeah. Well, I think the whole, uh, I think that it's important that we separate AI from robots. Yeah. I mean, robots are just a shell for your AI. Uh, and, and maybe one day we will eventually have robots that are artificially intelligent and are able to, you know, they're, they're in your home and they're able to fold your laundry. But that's going to, that hardware is going to be crazy expensive um i've seen some predictions where people say that you're combined with the whole uh ride sharing thing instead of opting to buy vehicles people are just going to not buy vehicles anymore and they'll eventually just buy the artificially intelligent robot to help them around their house or to follow them around and you know do physical tasks for them but i think that that's a a a really long way out of the picture I, i think that if robots are a vessel for artificial intelligence, what is the better, what's the more convenient vessel to put it in right now? And that is smartphones. Uh, it's smartphones and it's just uh, basic electronic devices. Uh, so everyone has a smartphone. So if you can write the software and get it on everyone's smartphone, that's where, the, where AI is going to permeate first. We're talking about an industry, obviously, when it comes to AI that is going to grow exponentially. Um, I've heard the forecast up to $120 billion. I don't know if you've heard anything in that range. Yeah, I could expand on, on that uh, pretty quick. I, uh, so basically, I've seen this depends on what you define as AI. Mm-hmm. So the the range goes from as low as 36. I, I've seen as low as 36.8 uh, billion by 2025 to as high as 120 billion by uh, 2020. And then you have uh, uh, CEOs of companies like IEM, uh, Ginny Rometty. Yeah. Uh, she said that uh, she thinks cognitive computing, basically just another word for another phrase for AI, is going to be a two trillion dollar market. So I, I think that the the range is, is is so wide that you really don't want to put like a an exact number on it. But we know that it's going to be uh, much bigger than where it is today, which is around. Uh, so just to give a frame of reference, uh, Tractiva, which has the lowest estimate on AI, they put it at thirty. Thirty-six point eight billion by two thousand twenty-five. Uh, they had the market uh, at six hundred and forty-three million last year. So uh, that's about uh, seventy, over seventy times as as large of a market. And we talked, but we talked briefly about you know like what companies are investing in this. Um, we talked about microphones, which is a good like you know you can look at suppliers of microphones or people that are being innovative in that field. Is the rest of it just kind of a developing story, and you're just waiting to see what happens? I I think that the microphone companies are kind of set. There's two companies in the microphone market that I think that investors can can uh, get exposure to the artificial intelligence market, specifically uh, digital assistants. Uh, there's one company that controls about 64% of the market, so and and they probably have the most advanced technology. Uh, I'm not going to name the company. Uh, here, uh, it's actually it's part of our business model. Part of what we do is is we sell that information to investors. I think it's a very promising industry, though. Just like talking to 
like watching the public reception for AI, watching the public demand for AI increase. It, it was a little bit slow, I think, because we had our original virtual and digital assistants were a little bit bad at their jobs. Like, I don't know how many times I've asked Surrey to take me to McDonald's and I've ended up like in a different state. But the, uh, <laughs> but I think that momentum is picking up. So now is a good time to get in on it. Yeah, I would agree. And I think if you, if you think of it in the grand scheme of things, it's actually not happening that slowly. Uh, if, I, if you think about how long it took humans to reach a stage of, uh, of intelligence or for, you know, for us to evolve to a point where we are able to think the way we do and, and be as smart as we are, that's, uh, you know, you're talking millions of years. Uh, and now we are, we're, we're using the model of the human brain and we're, we're mimicking, mimicking it in some senses. And, you know, personal digital assistants have only been around for, I don't know, maybe a decade. Uh, and they're already smart enough that, you know, they at least can do a call and response. And uh, the Google, the Google Home Assistant can at least, uh, you know, you ask it, you ask it a question, and it will respond. If it doesn't know the answer, it will often uh, ask you to clarify, or it will give you a follow-up question. So, uh, I think if you look at it in a in a narrow sense, it is happening slowly, but uh, on the broader sense, it's it's picking up very quickly. This kind of brings. I think this is a podcast topic for a different day um, that people can tune in for, but. I know I've dropped the Internet of Things a few times during this podcast, yep. mainly because I think that artificial intelligence, the Internet of Things, are very tied together. Um, so I know maybe we can have you back on to expand on that. I'm industries that connect to artificial intelligence. That like once we have functioning AI of a high caliber, like a lot of things are going to spin off in some pretty radical directions. So that would be fun to talk about. As for now, I think we've reached the end of our podcast. Great. I, I, would, love, I would love to come back on and talk about that, yeah. Because <laughs> I know that you, you've been looking into the Internet of Things much longer than I have, so you probably have a lot of input. I would love to. That would be great. Okay, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And once again, I'm Alexander Perry. This is Jason Stutman. Um, you, as always, can send questions in. Um, just look at the link below. We'll do our best to answer them. And now that we're doing follow-up reoccurring podcasts with some of our experts, we'll try to address your questions at the very beginning. For now, have a great Friday. Thanks, Alex.